Hello there and welcome to another episode on the Green Living Chats podcast. My name is David Owisi-Mensa and I'm your host on this podcast. Have you heard about the 4th Ghana Green Building Summit? Hold on a second, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know. Yachem Property Consult proudly presents the 4th Ghana Green Building Summit 2021. This year's summit is going to be a virtual edition, so mean you can join us online or in person. The theme for this year's summit is Rethinking Operation Management for High-Performance Buildings, with sub-themes looking into water, energy, interior design and renewables, and materials, as well as finance. The summit is happening on the 23rd and 24th of September. For more information on registration and details about the summit, visit our website www.ghanagreenbuildingsummit.com or call the line 055 So to dig a little bit deeper into this summit and what it is all about, Dennis Kwanzaa, who is a green building lead, Grace Kobo Eduse, who is the CEO of Lily Grace Interior, and Cyril Ni Ayiditete, who is the founder of the Green Building Summit and an executive director of EHM Property Consult. Join me today on the Green Living Chat podcast to discuss all you need to know about this year's summit. So without wasting much time, grab a coffee and let's get into this episode. Hello, Grace, Cyril, and Dennis. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Green Living Chat. And I'm looking forward to an interesting conversation today. I I hope that this conversation is going to be super amazing. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, David. Yeah, thanks, David. Thanks for having me here. Hello, David. Thank you for having me. Um, So before we get into the discussion, I would like my listeners to get to know a little bit about you. So Dennis, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? I, I lead the um, IFC's Edge Green Building Program. I actually sit in Nairobi, but I cover Ghana as well. And I would say we've been with Green Building Summit right from the beginning. Um, Cyril will tell you from the very first um, edition, Edge Program has been very supportive. Now, um, what does the Edge Program do? IFC decided to create more like a platform that can link all the various stakeholders within the green building space. So within the green building space, we do have developers, we do have government agencies and all that. Now, how can they really speak the same language? Because you may ask a financial institution what he understands about green building, what does he expect the developer to do? And he may give you a different story compared to what the developer is also thinking about. Um, the government wouldn't even know how to incentivize um, both the developer and then the financial institutions to go green. So um, EDGE is able to bring all of these stakeholders together to speak the same language, to provide the necessary support that will kind of um, grow the market. And we do have a lot of case studies around the world and even in Ghana that um, we are always happy to share. Wow, super interesting. Um, Grace, would you do as an honor to tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, that'll be a pleasure. Right, yeah, I am Grace Kobayi-Dusay. I am the CEO of Lily Grace Interiors Ghana. 
Um, I run a boutique uh, interior design portfolio uh, where I uh, design for residential, uh, commercial, as well as like boutique uh, restaurants and hotels. And also I am a brain health coach, speaker and trainer. I'm sure you're wondering what was brain health. <laughs> I'm interested in brain health because, which is connected to exactly what we're talking about, green living because um, of the impact of the environment on, on our health and especially our brains. So I might expand on that later. Wow, sounds good. <laughs> okay, thank you, Grace, and welcome to the podcast. Cyril, would you tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are? Okay, um, brain health. That's a, that's a very hard act to follow. <laughs> 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 I wear a few hats so when I'm asked this question I always struggle to find where to start from yeah I know did you realize that I actually struggle to write something for you <laughs> I know yeah you know when, when we were chatting on whatsapp I was like I you don't know who I am uh, <laughs> you know but these days I try to even move away from saying or spelling out what what I do versus who I am so because it's sometimes what we do define us and it should rather be who we are. If you ask me who I am, I'll just say I'm a man filled with burning passion for God, family, and community. What I do, I'm the executive director for Yecham Property Consult. It's a small boutique consultancy. We do brokerage, Marcoms, project management. And of course, we have the advocacy arm, which is a kind of green building summit, which I founded. And then I also run a football school for kids um, between 4 to 16 years and I run a, a charity called Life Commission as well where we give back and support um, underprivileged kids so let me make it very short this is who I am this is what I do sounds super too you realize that people have different stories for which they got into sustainability and things that are related to the regenerative economy so actually listening to what Grace was saying I'm really wondering that what got your interest into probably interior designing and it's being sustainable or probably very healthy for the environment. Yeah, thanks, David. Uh, I think that um, Cyril's uh, introduction is quite a hard act to follow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, first of all, I love everything beautiful. I love everything, nature. I think that it was something that was like a calling, right? Mm -hmm. You know, just uh, admiring nature and how to live. Well, those days, I didn't call it green, did they? But just living naturally, I always admired that. And also, I became quite passionate about uh, green living, if you want to call it that, uh, you know, since we're talking about living green. I noticed that people around me started having, like my father, for example, having dementia, and uh, another older friend of mine, and um, when they were diagnosed, it was because of what's in the environment. And that really got me, you know, thinking. And I said, my goodness, you know, what we, it's not just what we eat, because we kind of think about that alone or what we breathe, uh, but it's, you know, the way we live, uh, what the things that we are living with in the house, you know, any space that we are, and it's affecting us. And apparently, yeah, it was films from the furniture and all that that had affected, you know, caused an endocrine, according to the specialist, <laughs> disruption, which then affected his brain and then sort of set him on the, on the road to, to early dementia. And then we started taking steps to, to clean up our environment and, you know, being very careful about that. And then, of course, that went on and on. And I decided, well, this is really, really important. And um, how can I live green? 
uh, especially in our part of the world where it's not something we really talk about. Uh, we, we don't talk about sustainability. Uh, even when we talk about it, it's really just something we just say, but we don't do, we don't leave it. So that sort of got, got me going and got me thinking that this is really important. Uh, it was a real pleasure to uh, hear from Cyril to invite me to, to speak at the Garden Green Building Summit, um, because this is really important. It's directly related to our health and uh, our environment, uh, just, just our choices, the choices that we make. And I'm, I'm happy about being a part of any advocacy to bring that uh, information to closer to the people, that every day, the way you live, choices that you make and everything you do will certainly affect yourself and the environment in general. So, and of course your pockets, when you go further down the, the line, which is very important as well. I definitely admire Cyril's advocacy for that. And yeah, so it's, I'm really happy to be part of that movement. And also, I'm, um, I forgot to mention, I'm also an ex-executive of the Interior Designers and Decorators Ghana. It's a body that was set up to, to regulate the industry, where we have a lot of people uh, in the industry and we don't know who is a professional or not. And um, so just to, to, uh, to make sure that people are getting value for money uh, for what, whatever they're doing, and also create this um, advocacy as well to highlight the importance of living rights with, with all the stuff that we have around us, whether it's a building, whether it's a furniture or anything, whatever we have in our environment, we need to be very conscious about those choices. Well, I really love this story because, I mean, it's something that is happening all around us, but these are conversations that we never get to have. People's health and people's mental health and people's surrounding and the things that are around us are super, super important. And I think I, I really agree with you around our area and our regions where we come from. We do not hear these conversations at all. So I really think what you do is very, very important and really keep doing it because people really need it. Yeah. So Cyril, I would really like to get to know how you also got into sustainability, but I would like you to tackle it from this angle where, why do you think there is a need for a summit like Ghana Green Building Summit? Why did you start this and what need did you see that needed to be solved? I'm sure you've seen a couple of my pieces and writings. I've always, I started out writing football. Football has always been a passion as well. That's why I'm doing a football school for the kids. So I've always been a writer. So in my role as the business development and marketing um, manager for a real estate company some years ago, five, five, six years ago, we were quite big on thought leadership. We did a lot of articles and, and we even had a radio show. So in doing research, you know, you always have to prep for these things. So we stumbled upon the whole concept of green buildings. And what we found out was mind-boggling. Then I began to question everything about what I know in the traditional, the conventional construction or real estate space. Because then you look at the benefits and why isn't this a matter of course? Why is green building or sustainability seen more like a nice to have rather than a, a must have? So then it dawned on me because then you look at some of the benefits of um, going green. We interest listeners, you know, that we, more than half of the air that we breathe in our lifetime will be inside of our homes. So the indoor air quality is an issue. Like we need to be on top of indoor air quality because when we are, it prevents respiratory diseases. Even in this 
post-pandemic era that we are in, it would also interest listeners to know that the, uh, the concentration or the level of carbon dioxide within a particular space also facilitates the spread of such respiratory diseases, of which COVID is one of them. So indoor air quality is huge. Some of the paints that we use contain volatile organic compounds, VOCs, and they all contribute to the headaches, allergies, that a lot of us grapple with when we are in our offices and sometimes even in our homes. So I was like, wow, this is something that we need to expand on to, to let other people in on. And then there are other elements of green building in particular. There's design. Uh, we realized that even by the mere orientation or the way you place your building on your land, is it facing north? Is it facing south? Is it facing the sun? All contributes to how you feel within your home because then it's either the UV value or your walls. If you look at the envelope of the building, the walls can retain a lot of heat, which has a, a, a ripping effect because then you pay a lot more in ACs or fans, the bills that come with it, and your energy bills go high. So we realize that design is also crucial. How much of daylighting comes within the space that you are in, whether you are home or you're in the office. It would interest you to also know, those who are listening, that it's, it's noted that if you're exposed to enough daylight during the day, you add 46 minutes more to your sleep cycles. If, if you have enough daylight in your mood and your attention is sharper, so then you are more productive even at work. So there's a design aspect. Do you have enough lighting coming to the space that you are in? Do you employ skylights in your design? There's the material. We are used to concrete, but these days, and as I would share very soon, I like I have a story, a popular story that I share. Back in the day, our forefathers were using mud. That's why if you go to the villages sometimes these days, it's even cool within that particular environment because mud then does not retain a lot of heat the way that concrete or cement blocks retain these days. So the mud, the UV value is not as high as the, the, the conventional materials that we use. So there's materials as there are different ways. There's raffia, there's bamboo, there's water conservation. What kind of faucets? Do you use low, low flow faucets, low flash WCs? Do you use low shower heads? There's all of that that contribute to water conservation. Then, of course, good old energy efficiency. I already mentioned design. The design impacts how much of energy you are able to save within a particular space. So there are low-hanging fruits that you can always employ to, to ensure energy efficiency in terms of even your LED bulbs. I found out the other day, or when we're doing research, that's LED bulbs save us as much as 75% energy compared to the incandescent bulbs that we were used to. So then with all these elements, you, you clearly see a pattern where there's personal wellness. It ensures personal wellness if you go green. And of course, there's also the impact on the environment. Once we are able to sort out all our energy issues, then all the doom sort that we experience will definitely be curtailed. There will be enough energy for industry to be able to produce the way they're supposed to produce. And then it has a rippling effect because then the economy is stronger. So there's a nice 360, there's a nice virtuous cycle. If we are able to get our design, material, water, energy efficiency, and indoor air quality right in terms of buildings. So we're like, okay, we definitely need to create a forum to be able to sell these benefits. So. When I was with the company back then, Emerald Properties, we created the first um, platform. It was just one of our thought leadership vehicles that we thought we were creating, but then it was a big hit. We had attendants coming from 
the professional bodies, the ministries, policymakers, um, banks, some of the businesses, South Africa regions in 2017. So we were amazed at the response. I was like, okay, this is a good thing to latch onto. So why, why don't we continue? But then I left the company. So there was a gap in 2018, but then I went back to them and I was able to convince them that, hey, this is my baby. This is my idea. So I'd want to continue, even though I'm not with the company. And they gave me their blessings. So under my my new um, consultancy, the small consultancy, Yetcham Property Consult that I had formed, I allocated one of the, the core areas for which we were operating as an advocacy to push and promote green buildings. So then we had the second one solely under my organization that was in 2019 and from that time we decided that every year we would focus on a particular element of green building so then we focus on materials in 2019 in the drive towards public sensitization and increasing the awareness of what green buildings are 2020 we're about to do a very big takeoff when covid decided you guys are too busy let me slow you down and covid struck so it, it took us one step back, but then one of my friends, Linda, advised us, you know what? Um, my wife also encouraged me. It's like, let's go virtual. We went virtual and it was a big turning point in, in the advocacy because going virtual just allowed people and organizations to join from all over the world, Thailand, New Zealand, um, US, Zanzibar, Hong Kong, everywhere. We had attendees from over 27, 27 countries and we're like, wow, we're we're completely blown away. And we're like, okay, we clearly are on to something good. So our reach was extended after our virtual summit in 2020. And we've been in touch with our audience. And instead of allowing a gap to be in between the summits, what we've done is to create smaller vehicles. So smaller webinars. We've had a webinar for students. We did that in conjunction with Ashesi University. We did a webinar on the future of our learning spaces because clearly COVID had impacted our routines at the, at the universities. We had another big one on balancing profit with purpose, so sustainable management practices, particular emphasis on environmental social governance, ESG. We had that in March this year. So the engagement has been there, but we are realizing that, okay, whilst we are creating the awareness, we also need to have measurable impact on the ground. And um, I'm sure we'll get there because uh, I've been talking for a very long time. But basically, this has been our journey. This has been the thinking from the start. And this is how it's, uh, it has evolved up till now. I'm really loving the story you're telling us. And I love the impact that this thing is making. And for sure, really, I mean, nothing surpasses the passion that you have to to get this car moving. It's, it's interesting how everything is so interconnected because recently I was just having a podcast interview with um, a company who is writing stories about circular economy in Africa. And we talked about the fact that, you know, we used to have our traditions that were already promoting circular economy. And you're just mentioning something about materials that we used to use. And these materials actually helped us to be very energy efficient because then they didn't have air conditions. So they had to use mud that kept the rooms a little bit cool than the outside, right? And so these are petty, petty things that I think that it's very important that when we are on the summit or the summit can promote for people to know. I was actually going to ask you a question that, hey, we already have experts. If I need to build a house, I can just call an architect to design something and make sure it's facing the right place and everything. And we can call an electrician, we can call a, a plumber, whoever that needs to work on it. 
in that case, why do we need to get all this information? But I actually had to answer myself because I realized that it's super important that we all get to know about this information because if you know it, you can actually get the right people to work for you and you can even direct them. But I don't know if, Cyril, you have something else to add to it. It's important because um, buying a house or, or building a house is clearly one of the, the biggest investment decisions that a lot of us make during my hardcore real estate sales times. You do a viewing with, let's say, someone called Mark. Mark would, have, would be in love with the property and everything. And then he'll be like, you know what? I love it. Next week, I'll bring my wife to come and have a look. Um, the wife comes, then you hear the okay. Another person will probably have, need to have a look. And you just need the okay in of almost everybody in the family or who you consider important in the family. It's not like you just go to the supermarket and take something off the, the shelf. So it's a, it's a big investment decision that takes a big chunk of our savings. So you need to get it absolutely right. Now you can go the conventional way, but there are personal wellness costs to that. And I think I enumerated a number of them already with, with headaches, sinus issues. There's even something called sick building syndrome, meaning that basically you, you get sick or you, comp you compromise your health based on the, the way your building has been built and designed. So if your build is designed with a plan such that you don't have enough daylighting coming in or your, the materials that you used retain a lot of heat, then it affects your bills. So there's always an issue of cost your personal wellness in terms of diseases, and then also the impact of the environment. Because at the end of the day, whilst we are all building, it's all nice and dandy. When you see Accra, you see, look at the skyline, hey, there are buildings coming up every now and then. But by buildings just going up alone, the aggregate of both the construction and even living with, within these spaces, the operations and maintenance, that alone takes about 40% of global energy use. So we need to know this because when you are aware that whatever you're doing, even in your small corner, at the end of the day, it has an impact on your own personal pocket and, and finances, as well as wellness. And then when it all comes together, all our efforts aggregates, it also has an impact on the environment. So it's absolutely crucial that we are aware of some of these things and we contract the right people to get a good return on the kind of investments that we, we make. So that everybody wins at the end of the day, your health is in a much better shape, your finances, because at the end of the day, the operations and management of, of the space you are in. And actually, when I mentioned operations and management, it feeds into the summit for this year, because we realized that the actual chunk of a building's life cycle cost is in the operations and maintenance. So you can actually save a lot of money if you get your operations and management right. The construction only makes about 20% of the building's life cycle cost, whilst the operations and management is up to 80%. So whilst you are living within your building, your thing has to be right, your water use has to be right, your energy use has to be right, and even your indoor air quality has to be right. So like I said, it's a nice virtual cycle if you get it right. Yeah, thank you so much. Let me engage uh, Grace for a second. So Grace, I would like you to highlight a little bit of what is happening in the interior design industry or what do you think are the loopholes from where you stand, from your perspective? Right, uh, thanks, thanks, David. Uh, great, great question. Um, yeah, from a, an interior designer's perspective, I feel that it's our responsibility as interior designers to educate our clients. 
I mean, most of the time people are just looking at, oh, I love this beautiful rug. Um, I love this paint. I, I just love this. I love that. A lot of it, we, we focus so much on aesthetics, which is great, but we don't look at uh, function in relation to uh, health, okay? Uh, the health of, of the person, like Cyril mentioned earlier, so something called sick building syndrome. And I think that is so important because you're going to um, all these properties that are springing up everywhere. The skyline is full of them, apartments everywhere. And then, you know, I, I do get some jobs to design some of them and I'm horrified uh, by what I see from just the, this design. It's so difficult to design those. And you can tell that, yes, uh, those people are going to be ill. They're going to be ill from uh, even just the product they, that have been chosen there, like, you know, even I'll tell you like the fittings, for example, what are they made from? And we know that uh, like VOCs, for example, volatile organic compounds, which are released into the air, which make people ill. You can tell that even the quality of the cabinets and all that, they're all made from things that do not pass the test at all. And of course, apart from them not lasting long, which will make the owner uh, to have to change them again and change them again. You know, you, you find things that fittings don't even last three years. I mean, I grew up in a home where our kitchen cabinets basically lasted like almost 30 years, okay? I mean, they lasted so long, but these days you're changing them all over again, but where do they end up? In the landfill. So those choices that people make without that information, so it's my responsibility or any interior designer's responsibility to draw attention to the client and say, well, first of all, I would like probably ask like, oh, you know, I heard, how do you feel about, you know, sustainability and, you know, environmental you know, issues and things like that. Sometimes it's good to bring it up as a conversation uh, during the brief for example, too. And then it's, if they're not aware or there's something they always thought about, but they didn't know just how to approach it. Because we can talk now about these things, but you need to give people practical ways to live green, uh, to play their part in sustainability. So by making those informed choices, all about information, what choices do I have? Really, I draw the attention to say, oh, the paints, uh, you need to look out for this label in your paint. You have to look at, out for this label, this certification in, your, in the fabrics that you're choosing for your post, for your blinds or curtains. And people don't look at that. You know, even now we, when you're buying food, you're looking at the label to say, well, how much sugar is in this cereal? How much of it, uh, carbohydrates gets converted to sugar? How much fat is in this packet of something I'm buying? But it's the same way we should be looking at, you know, whatever we are, we are buying or whatever we're going to use for our homes or our offices. So if I'm going to advise a client, I would like to say, hey, have you thought about this? We should look at this label. And then we say, oh, why? And then I could then draw you know, his attention to the fact that these are the implications when you make those decisions. It's better to spend a little more money because I have to tell you, just like organic foods and things like that, some of this stuff, are, you know, a little bit, always a bit more expensive just by the fact of their processing or maybe the uh, production is not yet uh, economical enough for, for us to produce these things in, in such uh, large uh, quantities to make the price come down. It's just like solar, for example. Solar is now coming down. The price of installation of solar, for example, is now coming down, which is fantastic. Before it was totally out of the reach of, of the ordinary man. If a product says, open your windows for ventilation when you're using this product, it definitely means that that product contains VOCs. Okay, but I had to go to 
coral, dulux, and to do some research about this VOC, do you have it in your products? And lots of them did not even have them on their labels. You have to chase and check and, and pursue them to check exactly what's products, okay? Let's not even go to blinds and curtains and all that because a lot of them will just go to the market, we go to Mokula market, and we just buy these things without even thinking about their sustainability. Where did they come from? The wood I'm going to use, is it sustainable wood? Is it a wood that has been cut after a hundred years of existence and then nobody's going to plant it? What are my alternatives? What can I use? You know, is it going to last? So I need to give them the advantages and disadvantages of what I recommend because it's a recommendation. You can't say, oh, you must do that. But when you're able to explain to a client, these are your options and these are the decisions you can take. And this is the consequences for yourself and your environment is all our responsibility. I think that gently bring that conversation to the client when we meet them one-on-one -on -one is extremely important. I also teach um, young uh, graduates from the interior design uh, colleges here as well. I teach them about uh, success in the marketplace for interior designers as well. And it's definitely a subject that we definitely talk about and talk the practicality of it, the economics of it and, and all that. It's our responsibility, absolutely, to enter this conversation and bring it to, to our clients. I mean, the issues that you guys are raising are just making me super excited because, you know, since I started this podcast, I've been having conversations with, you know, people into environmental engineering, environmental sustainability, advocates and blah, blah, blah. So it's always very interesting when you cut across to other disciplines or other professionals and they still speak the same language that, you know, it's, it's just super exciting. And I think this is very, very educative. So if you haven't heard, the fourth Ghana Green Building Summit is happening on the 23rd to 24th of September. So all the details uh, to the website and registration is going to be in the show notes. But we want to ask our guests that what should we expect in the summit? And I would like to engage um, Dennis for a second. In this summit, I know for sure that you're going to be a speaker. So what should we expect in this summit? Yeah, so um, basically, I would be doing a workshop. I'd be leading a workshop to introduce the EDGE um, program. And it's very important for a lot of professionals because this would enable a lot of people to understand what exactly qualifies as green. You would ask about three or four different people what really makes a building green. Um, exactly what qualifies, how can you make your projects to be energy efficient and water efficient. Now, there is a software that IFC has introduced that enables people to select specific measures in their projects to make it green. It doesn't stop there. It also lets you see what the extra cost of going green is and what the payback period is. So, I mean, it's more like a financial tool for anybody doing a green project to really analyze and then see why I need to build green. And then um, we would also talk a lot about some of the incentives that are available. Um, most developers are looking for green funding. I mean, maybe they're looking for funding, but they haven't uh, really looked at the other aspects of uh, green financing and how they can build green in order to get some sort of funding from the capital markets and all that. So these are some of the other things that we'll be touching on. 
Thank you, Dennis. I think these are very important points that, I mean, if you find yourself in this industry or if you find yourself having so many questions surrounding this, then for sure you should go down into the show notes and register for this summit. It's free. Registration is free. Let me engage you, um, Grace. So what should we also expect from your side uh, in the summit? First of all, I have to say it's really a pleasure to be part of the summit. I have to give kudos to, to the organizers. I'll be looking forward to speaking uh, next week. Um, and I'll be talking about materials, finishes, all from an interior designer's perspective, uh, lighting and, you know, indoor air quality and how the choices that we make, you know, affect all these areas. And eventually our health, our lives and the, and the environment uh, in general. So, so those are the main things. So giving all those options, those practical options we can have uh, in order for us to join this green movement, uh, which is extremely important that we play our part so we can have a better life for our generations to come. Sounds super to me. So now to the one month thousand. Zero, <laughs> <laughs> what should we expect in the summit? There's a whole lot. Um, the other day I was looking at the agenda. I'm like, wow, this is, is super hard. So there are lots of nuggets and tips that can be picked up by attendees. We've curated specific sessions that align with the theme, which is rethinking operations management for higher performance buildings. So yes, attendees or followers will get to find out what makes a buildings perform at higher levels. So with that particular theme, we have the case for water efficiency and the case for energy efficiency. Our panel of presenters will arm the new trends and the little tricks here and there. The low-hanging measures, as I always say, that if, if you're not thinking any grand purchase, like going to buy solar panels, you can even do within your particular space to be able to become water and energy efficient. So there's that. We'll also have that discussion at the city's level. The mayor will be joined by other expert panel to have a discussion on creation of water efficient and energy smart cities. There's also a session, Dennis mentioned finance. Finance is like the key driver and the fool. We, we, we have all this talk and ideas, but finance gives its life. So for every summit, we always have particular sessions on green finance. And then we'll also be looking at some of the game changes uh, and the emerging technologies that enable energy efficiency and renewable energy. And then we we'll also extend the conversation to facility management. We're also reimagining facility management in a digital age. We want a buy-in from some of the attendees, some of the facility managers who will be attending to be able to adopt some of these modern technology or be able to have a, a digital integration within their processes and uh, management of their facilities. So, and then in the bigger climate change and energy efficiency conversation, uh, there's a big race to net zero. So there's, there's a session on, it's a very interesting panel. This is the race to net zero buildings a fad. Sometimes some of these things become just buzzwords. So we want to actually interrogate the net zero building talk. And I think that would also be exciting. But as with all of our summits every year, we like to add some bit of a lifestyle conversation to it. And I think Grace has already expanded on, on her session, which is the art of green living. Because at the end of the day, we believe that in the interior design and our lifestyle changes can lead to healthier, happier, and more cost-efficient homes, offices, and public spaces. So there's that. And of course, 
as, as we do every year, we always peek into some of the sustainable materials. So there's also a session on sustainable material use and end retrofitting. That's a quick snap picture of some of the conversations that we'll be having. So again, I will say with all that you have heard, what are you still waiting for? Go down into the show notes, registration links are there and the website is also there. You can go to the website and check out all the details of the different sessions and as well as the speakers that are coming and get your questions and your notebooks ready to get informed about all the things that we'll be discussing. Cyril, I want to ask you this uh, follow-up question because this is very important when we mention sustainability and whenever we talk something as green, because now there's been a lot of greenwashing in the system whereby being green has also become a business. So if we talk about Ghana Green Building Summit, right, it's gonna feel a loophole in the industry. But I want to ask you that, should you have the chance to just change one thing in the industry that doesn't conform to sustainability, what would that thing be? I think everything starts from design. We need to consider more our climatic conditions where we we live so that we design accordingly. Because a lot of all the fancy designs are actually just imported from temperate regions. We do not consider the effects that having something similar here would eventually cost us. Um, as a friend architect always says to me, a building that's not been designed to be sustainable or green is just a bad design. It should be a matter of course, we should be, be able to design to fit our uh, climatic conditions. We have enough sun, we should be able to harness it by way of solar. We have a rainfall, we should be able to do water thing. We have enough greens already and we're already cutting them down. We need to be aware that we need to stop cutting down all the trees. As I see so many projects going on in just cutting the trees, making way for this new project. We need to understand that greenery, apart from aesthetics, contributes a lot to our health. I keep mentioning health because I think that's the point where if people understand how much this green drive has an effect on your health, they, they would understand. Because sometimes even sitting under a tree in your house, when you step out of the rooms and step out into the into nature, you sit under a tree, it's apparently that alone is even therapeutic. So design for me is non-negotiable. That's the one thing I think about. Thank you so much, Cyril, for um, giving me a super honest answer to that. And I think I, I do agree with you that designing definitely plays a very important role in, in sustainability. So with that said, I would like to thank you all for joining me today on the Green Living Chat. But your last words, Grace. So in your industry, how can people collaborate with you in your daily job? Um, is there anything that you'd like to leave us with, your last message, or probably how people can just uh, collaborate with you in your work? For me, it's all about mindset change. I feel that we need to work on the way we think about uh, sustainability. We tend to love everything foreign and have um, an unhealthy disdain for our own local production. I know I can't really blame everyone for that. It's also we have issues with quality control. Uh, but I think that we need to love what we have and be grateful for what we have. We have a lot of sunshine. Uh, we have a lot of space. And uh, we should you know, be grateful for what we have. And uh, I would like to collaborate with people who are passionate about uh, what we're talking about here. And uh, we can work together 
to make sure that you have a beautiful, beautiful outdoor indoor space. Uh, one of my specialties is bringing the outdoors in so that you can live outdoors as if you're living indoors and enjoy um, all that space as well. So we have a lot to do about changing the way we think about living well. This is living well, green living. Really? I love that. Dennis, do you have any last words? Yeah, so I'd say one of the very important things, I mean, in this particular area, it's um, education. Education, 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 because there are a lot of people that and you don't understand why they need to um, move into sustainability, why they need to think sustainability in whatever they do, right? So, but once they get to understand, once they get the message right, they get to see the benefits in going green, then they change their mindset. Super. Thank you so much, Dennis. Um, Zero, do you have any last words? Um, feeding off what Dennis said. Education, education, education. There couldn't be a, a bigger or better platform to start education than, than joining us at the fourth Ghana Green Building Summit next week. Or whenever you're listening to this, it's September 23rd to 24th. Join us, as I mentioned, there are very educative sessions that will change your perspective and your mindset, as Grace also said. So um, look out for the links, as David has been saying, and register and join us. And remember to add it to your calendar so you don't miss it. All right. So thank you so much for joining me today on the Green Living Chat. And I'm really hoping to meet you all on the 24th and 23rd of September. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Green Living Chats podcast. This initiative is to educate and create awareness on things that really matter. We look forward to hearing your thoughts and comments as we get interactive on our social media platforms at Echo Amit Solutions on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube and LinkedIn. If you would like to be part of these conversations, contact us via email at glcpodcasts@echoamedsolutions.com or see our contact details in the show notes. See you on the next episode and remember, live green.